Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. From KQED. It's about three months until Election Day, and we now know that one of our very own California senators, Kamala Harris, is Joe Biden's running mate. It is the first time we have seen a woman of color Mm-hmm. And it, it, is a, it is a moment in history. It is a moment that, that everybody is going to remember. Lots of Americans got Biden. to know Kamala Harris when she ran for president herself last year. But we here in the Bay Area have known her for a lot longer. I don't know that we knew what path she would take, but there was always clearly a next step that was going to happen. Kamala Harris's first job in elected office was in San Francisco, where she was the district attorney. Since then, she's climbed the ranks of California politics and in 2016 became a U.S. senator. Now she could have the second most powerful job in the country. Today, how San Francisco helped make Kamala Harris. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. She has always been very driven, very ambitious, had her eye on the prize. It's not a shock as somebody who's watched her this long to know that she's kind of shooting for the stars. Marisa Lagos is a politics correspondent here at KQED, and she's covered Kamala Harris for a long time, starting from when Harris was a district attorney and a rising star in San Francisco politics. We spoke with Marisa in January 2019, back when Kamala Harris was trying to become the nominee for president. So today, we want to share this episode with you again. When were you reporting in City Hall 
What years? Well, so I moved to San Francisco on April Fool's Day, 2004. Joke on all of us. I know. Ha ha, <laughs> I'm still here, guys. And so that was right after Kamala and Gavin Newsom had both been sworn in as mayor and uh, district attorney. Essentially, I've been watching her career since 2004, which is when she took this citywide office and, and really started sort of building, I think, her political brand. The big moment that happened, like literally the month I moved to town, was that terrible shooting of San Francisco police officer Isaac Espinosa in the Bayview District. Officer Isaac Espinoza and his partner approached a man on Newhall Street in the Bayview District Saturday night. That was a really big moment for Harris because she had just run on this platform of being anti-death penalty. And within a couple days, I think, of the shooting, her office came out and said, we will not be pursuing the death penalty. Spokesman for the Police Officers Association backed the decision. Both said seeking the death penalty would be problematic in the case. Harris ran for office saying she opposed the death penalty. And that really caused a lot of outrage among the police in town. And then up to people like her now um, colleague, Senator Dianne Feinstein, who actually called out Harris at the funeral of Isaac Espinoza. Senator Dianne Feinstein received a standing ovation from the officers at the funeral when she called for the death penalty in the case. San Francisco District Attorney Kamala Harris, honoring a campaign pledge, has said she will not seek capital punishment. Kamala Harris has always had um, this tension within her career, which is that she is a law enforcement officer. She was a prosecutor in Alameda. She was a prosecutor in San Francisco before she became DA. You know, she she threw people in prison. Um, That's what she did. On the other hand, she is an Indian-American, African-American woman who comes from progressive mold of San Francisco politics, who is anti-death penalty, who has spent a lot of time talking about the need to be, quote, smart on crime, not tough on crime. That was, you know, the title of a book she wrote as DA. We have a system of justice that has included systemic racism. We have a system of justice where a mother and father have to sit their child down, their son down, when he becomes a teenager and tell him that he may be stopped, he may be arrested and he could be shot based on the color of his skin. This idea that like we can be both sort of progressive in the way we approach criminal justice, but also still respect law enforcement and understand that they're a necessary part of of our world. And I think that that is the tension that she has faced her entire career. And it's just going to become more apparent. It is a false choice to suggest that communities don't want law enforcement. Um, Most communities do. They don't want excessive force. They don't want racial profiling, but then nobody should. You know, Kamala Harris as a person is a really warm, likable human being. I think as a politician, she's always been really cautious, perhaps overly cautious and a little bit um, unaccessible. And I think that this followed through to her years as attorney general. What she and her supporters would argue is that as a prosecutor, you have to be really careful about what you weigh in on and when you take positions on things and what you say, because if your independence is questioned, that could throw you know into question the cases that you're prosecuting. 
I think it's fair to say that a lot of that caution was probably based on a political calculation that she did want to seek higher office and that putting herself in the middle of some of these more, you know, controversial policies, whether it be criminal justice reforms or acknowledging um, a huge problem within the criminal justice system she was part of, that that could basically hurt her career prospects and her standing with voters. So when do you think Kamala Harris knew or when do you think people thought she had the potential to be a political star? If you think back to that time period, you know, San Francisco in general has sort of an outsized influence on national and statewide politics. And looking back, and maybe it's easy to say this now, but it was a kind of crazy time. Like you had a lot of star power between Gavin Newsom and Kamala Harris in those positions. And, you know, I don't know that we knew what path she would take, but there was always clearly a next step that was going to happen. First off, I think it's important to note something that we haven't, which is that Kamala Harris got her start in politics in the 90s via a relationship with Willie Brown. Um, They dated. Former mayor of San Francisco. Former mayor of San Francisco, former speaker of the assembly. Ayatollah of the assembly is what he liked uh, to be called. That was the the nickname. Um, Because he was super powerful and remains so to this day. And so he has handpicked a lot of politicians along the way, two of them being Gavin Newsom and Kamala Harris. He appointed them to some city and county boards. And that sort of started their ball rolling. And so... Kamala Harris and Gavin Newsom have always had the support of the sort of institutional, political and business powers of San Francisco. And that in itself um, has helped raise their political stature and make them successful. The native of Oakland says she embodies everything California stands for and what the president is against. When you learn how to like do politics at, a, at the local level in San Francisco, it makes you way more equipped for Sacramento, which makes you way more equipped for Washington, D.C. I don't know that you see a lot of people leapfrog the way she has so quickly. And I think that that is obviously partly due to her talent as a politician, but I think partly due to the schooling she got, you know, in San Francisco. But the flip side of that is that she is a product of, you know, the liberal Bay Area, the boogeyman that, you know, making a lot of hand movements here. I air quotes just for our listeners. (laughs) I mean, there was literally, I think, thousands of ads targeting Nancy Pelosi in the last cycle who, you know, in races where she wasn't on the ballot. He's a Pelosi liberal. He'd vote to make Nancy Pelosi speaker. He supports Pelosi's massive... There's this sense that people like to vacation here, but they don't really like California that much. And so I think that that's why we've seen Harris spend a lot of time going to black colleges um, throughout the South and some of those early caucus states. Kamala Harris is traveling to South Carolina and Iowa in the next week, fueling speculation. She will be- the coalition she's really trying to build is based around women and particularly women of color, who she plays really well with. I mean, she has that kind of Obama star power if you see the way that she's received at, say, a place like Spelman College where she gave a speech last year. You can take on any challenge and you will go forward unburdened, unwavering, and undaunted by the fight. Thank you. Well, one thing that's been highlighted already really quickly off the bat after she announced her candidacy was that her, you know, immigrant parents, Jamaica, India, um, she's the second black woman to elected to the Senate. Do you think that Kamala Harris um, carries a lot of her identity along with her? 
to her decision making, her being from the Bay Area, having uh, parents who are from Jamaica and India. So it's impossible to separate her personal identity from who she is as a politician. You know, I always go back to that thing Obama said about, you know, when people attacked him for not being black enough and he'd say, well, try being me and hailing a cab on Fifth Avenue. Mm. Like so Mm. much of identity is about other people's perceptions. Of course, Kamala Harris carries with her, I think, the lessons that her parents instilled as civil rights leaders, being an African-American woman who has broken barriers and basically throughout her career has to influence the way she approaches things. I don't know. I mean, she's been a lot more the Kamala Harris I've known off the record as a senator than she was as an attorney general or a DA. Like, she that is seems fascinating to be unleashed. To me. He has been conducting foreign policy through tweets. I do want you to be on. I'm not able to uh, be rushed this fast. It makes me nervous. I'll move on. Clearly, you're not going to answer the question. It literally feels like she's been unleashed. She was potentially overly cautious as attorney general and DA about wading into politics. Now that she's in a position as a senator where she has to be more partisan and is looking to win a national election in a very divisive moment in American history, that she has decided that this is when she can really come out. And I think in some ways show her true colors. Like it's almost like she wanted to keep all these coalitions together until she got to this you know, to this pinnacle, really, as a U.S. senator. And now it's time for her to, you know, show everybody what she's really about. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are scheduled to appear and speak together for the first time as a presidential ticket later today from Biden's hometown of Wilmington, Delaware. The selection also has ripple effects here in California because if the Biden-Harris ticket wins in November, Governor Gavin Newsom gets to appoint Harris's U.S. Senate replacement, who would serve out the rest of the term until after the 2022 election. For more information on Senator Kamala Harris, check out kqed.org. Thanks to Marisa Lagos for speaking with us back in January 2019 for this episode. The Bay is produced by Erica Cruz Guevara and editor Alan Montesilio. We are made from your public media station, KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. Talk to you next time. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? It's history, it's people, it's unique blend of cultures. Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts 
to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.